comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Praise God. We've just introduced our teaching series on kingdom culture. That's what we want to continue with. Somebody say kingdom culture. Now, it's always important that you understand how to behave in every atmosphere you find yourself. It's an old English saying that says that when you go to Rome, do what the Romans, it has to do with culture. Somebody say culture. There are people who sometimes get into Rome and they want to do what they want to do. And because they want to do what they want to do, they end up becoming misfits. Every atmosphere, every setting you find yourself in comes with its own set of protocols and values and you need to embrace them. One day, the Bible gives us an account of a story that is told in the book of Matthew 20, verse 20. The Bible says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. The New Living Translation said, What is your request? He asked. She replied, In your kingdom. Somebody say, In your kingdom. Uh So this woman came to ask Jesus something. And she was not asking something outside the kingdom. He said, what I'm asking, I want it to happen in your kingdom. In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right hand, the other on your left hand. That was a good mother. She wanted good positions for her children. Praise God. Now the Bible says that Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. Jesus said, listen, sitting on my left hand is not easy it's not every seat that we must aspire to sit on. There are some seats. If you go and sit there and you don't have the grace to sit on it, <laughs> you will not survive. He said, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes. They replied, we are able. Talk is cheap. Verse 23, he says, but Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right To say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Jesus is now going to introduce something else. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They got angry. They said, "Ah, what do you mean? We are all following the man and you are already booking your seats. When did you come? You, John and James, when did you come? Peter, I was among the first to be called. I have not asked for a seat. You are looking for seats. They all got angry. Then Jesus began to address them. He called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world, somebody said, the rulers in this world, lord it over the people and officials flung their authority over those under them. Verse 26. But among you, it will be different. Somebody say among us. Say among us. That's culture. Somebody say culture. That's culture. The woman said, in your kingdom, 
Then Jesus brings your mind to what was pertaining at the time. He said, in the world, this is how things are around. This is how things are operated. But in the kingdom, things are done differently. He said, among us, it will be different. Then he began to tell him how things are done in the kingdom. Then he says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must first be your servant. That is a clear kingdom difference. Whosoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Among you, it will be different. Somebody say, among us is different. We have to understand what are the things that ought to be different among us. There are many things that are different. Like we said on Wednesdays, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. The new creature also comes with a new lifestyle. There are many things that ought to be different among you. When you come into Christ, you are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And when you come into this kingdom, it's important that you learn how things are done so that you do it accordingly. Somebody say an amen. So basically, when we talk about kingdom culture, what exactly are we talking about? When we talk about kingdom culture, we are referring to behavioral patterns which governs life in any society or setting where God's rule and influence is embraced. Now, you need to understand that in any setting or society where Jesus is Lord, things ought to be different. Somebody say things ought to be different. Things ought to be different. In every way, things ought to be different. You can hang on the wall. Jesus is Lord over this house. And things can be the same. But when Jesus becomes truly the Lord in your heart, things automatically must change. And one of the things that must change are the things you believe. Your values must change. Your customs must change. Your attitudes must change. And that has to do with kingdom. Somebody say kingdom. So number one, kingdom culture has to do with behavioral patterns which governs life or society in any setting where God's rule and influence is embraced. Number two, kingdom culture has to do with the sum of attitudes. Somebody say attitudes. Values, beliefs, customs that distinguishes citizens of God's kingdom from others. Once you become a citizen of God's kingdom, you must know that your values ought to be different. Somebody say my values must be different. Say, my values must be different. My attitude must be different. Great. And there are a number of things that ought to be different when we embrace the kingdom into our lives. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto us. How will people know that the kingdom is reflecting in our lives? That we are living like kingdom citizens. The first way or one of the important ways they get to know is by the culture by which we live. When you go to anywhere in the world, when you meet an African, you know you've met one. Because Africans have a culture that distinguishes us from other people. When you meet a European, they have a culture that distinguishes from other people. When you come into a company, the culture in the company is always different. The culture in the company, MTN, is different from the culture in Casapreco. The culture in the school ICS is different from the culture in Najis. Anywhere you find yourself, you see that things differ. Things are not the same. And we need to understand the culture of our kingdom. Somebody see the culture of our kingdom. Now, our culture is varied and it manifests itself by the values we embrace, the values we accept, and the values we endorse. That is one of the things that identifies a culture. A culture is seen by the values people embrace, the values they endorse, and the values they practice. What are some of these core values? Number one, we are looking at the culture of honor. Somebody say the culture of honor. 
Say the culture of honor. The African culture used to be strongly rooted in honor, but not after this massive universal embrace of Western culture. We have so embraced Western culture that things that are of great value to us as Africans no longer hold value to us. In fact, people go and they live amongst them for a while and when they come back, they immediately want everybody to line up with them, to embrace the ones that are good and the ones that are bad. But you must understand that kingdom culture is superior to all other cultures. Somebody say kingdom culture is superior to all other cultures. Everywhere you find yourself, the kingdom culture reigns supreme. And it's one culture that is transcontinental. Anywhere a person is, kingdom culture goes. There is no nation on the world when kingdom culture is manifested. Lives will not be imparted. Relationships are better. Things work where kingdom culture works. Look at Romans chapter 13 verse 7. It says, render therefore to all their due. Somebody say, render therefore to all their due. This is what it means. It simply means give to everyone what is due them. Everyone what is due them. Like it says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. He said, render unto all their due. And he begins to list some of the things that are due people. He said, taxes to whom taxes are due. Custom to whom custom is due. Fear to whom fear is due. Honor to whom honor is due. Somebody say honor to whom honor is due. You must appreciate that the culture of honor is one of the important cultures in the kingdom. The culture of honor. All through scripture, the scriptures are replete with honor. Sometimes honor is used as a synonym in scripture for glory. But they are used almost every page of scripture. I was saying that in the second service. That all the various groupings of scripture, every one of them that you walk into, you will find a specific expression on honor. Be it a commandment, be it an instruction, or be it a concern God was expressing. You go to the book of Genesis, which represents the law. Honor is talked about. You come into the book of Exodus. God begins to give the laws, and he gives one of the fundamental laws as a law of honor. God gave ten commandments. He decided that honor must be one of the important commandments. Now listen, if God had to give you ten laws to live your life by, and he decides that one of them should be on honor, it means the subject of honor is very important. He didn't give you hundred he gave you 10. And out of the 10, one of them is honor. And mind you, the honor commandment is also the first commandment that has to do with our relationships. The commandment God gave us, 10 of them, 4 of them have to do with our relationship with God. And then 6 of them has to do with our relationship with man. Now, the first one that began our relationship with man was a commandment to honor. Praise God. In Exodus chapter 20, verse one done was when he began to give all of them. He gave four of them to verse 11. From verse 12, he began to talk about the horizontal commandment, which has to do with our relationship with one another. And he says, honor your father and your mother that thy days may belong in the land which your Lord your God is given unto you. This reference is also quoted in Ephesians 6 verse 2. Ephesians 6 to honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Now listen. It's the first commandment, listen, it's the first commandment that establishes horizontal or human relationships. And then it's also the first commandment with a promise. Praise God. It means there's something unique about it. Somebody say something unique about it. 
And let me tell you, if you look closely around you, or if you even look at your own life, you will see, if you take an honest assessment of your life, you will see that certain things that you lost, you lost them because probably you didn't know how to honor. Certain opportunities you lost, you lost them because of dishonor. Certain blessings you lost, you lost them because you did not appreciate what it means to honor. Blessings, favors naturally gravitate towards you when you walk in honor. When you learn to honor, opportunities just come your way without praying for them. There are a lot of people who pray for things and the harder they pray, the more elusive the things become. And there are people who just learn to walk in honor and things are falling in place. The principle of honor cannot be prayed away. No matter how long you pray, no matter how long you fast, if you don't learn to honor, your life cannot have a smooth sail. Praise God. Learn to honor. Learn to honor. Bible talks about honor in diverse ways. Leviticus 19.32, he said, You shall rise before the gray head and honor the presence of an old man and fear the Lord. I am the Lord. In 1 Peter 2, verse 17, he said, Honor all people, love the brethren, fear God and honor the king. Honor people who are in positions of authority. If there is a generation that lacks honor for the elderly, I believe it's this generation. This generation has lost its honor. We no longer honor people for who they are, what they've accomplished in life, or even how old they are. We honor people for what they have. We honor people for what they have. And nobody says, if somebody has gotten something great, you should not honor him. But listen, there are things that people have not got, but there are things they have become. Life is not all about what you have. Life is about who you are becoming. And there are people who have not had so much. They don't have so much in their hands, but they have become towers of knowledge and institutions of wisdom. And when we learn to connect with them, and we get what they have, and we add it to what we have, we become unbeatable people in life. It's important. Honor is critical. All people are not expected to be treated the same. That is why honor was instituted. God instituted the principle of honor to establish that all people are of value, but all people cannot be treated the same. Somebody say, all people cannot be treated the same. And listen, this teaching is not just to let you know how to honor people who are deserving of honor, but also to learn how to honor people who don't deserve honor. Because sometimes people do things that makes them undeserving of honor. But even such people, according to scripture, still ought to be honored. Because the principle of dishonor is that anytime we dishonor, we perpetuate the things that dishonor brings in our lives and in our seed. There are people who found themselves in certain dishonorable acts and because the people around them chose to dishonor them, they ended up bringing things on themselves, which were not supposed to have been on themselves. And I will show you one man in scripture like that. Person did something very dishonorable, but in his quest not to show dishonor, the person also ended up bringing something greater and worse than the person who did dishonorable did. Praise God. You will not become a casualty of dishonor. I said you will not become a casualty of dishonor. Some people have become casualties of dishonor regardless of their skill because they don't understand the honor protocol. Skill is great. Intelligence is great. But the protocol of honor must be in place. Praise God. No matter which atmosphere you find yourself, if you dishonor the protocol of the place, they walk you out. 
You can go to a two-force palace and you have achieved so much and you ought to be celebrated. But if they give you protocols of honor, you decide that, as for me, it's not applicable to me. You will not be given audience. So it's important that we get this thing. What does it mean to honor? To honor is to show great respect or reverence by our attitude and disposition towards a person or a thing. When we honor, we show great respect. We show great respect. We show great respect to a thing or a person. And we show it by our attitude or disposition. Somebody say my attitude or disposition. Good. Your attitude, disposition, max honor. To honor is to treat a person as special, valuable, or different from everyone or everything else. When you honor someone, you treat him as valuable. Somebody say valuable. Yeah, you treat him as valuable. You treat him as special. You treat him as somebody who is of worth much to you. The Greek actually means to set a price on or to assign a price to something. To assign a price or to set a value for something. That's what it means to honor. Honor is so critical in all relationships. Every relationship thrives on honor. Somebody say every relationship thrives on honor. Your relationship with your father thrives on honor. If you are going to get the best out of it, it thrives on honor. Your relationship with your pastor, if you are going to get the best out of it, it thrives on honor. Your relationship with your spouse thrives on honor. Your relationship with your boss thrives on honor. Every relationship thrives on honor. And every relationship dies when honor is not observed. Which relationship have you killed because of this honor? Which relationship have you destroyed because you lacked honor? Which relationship have you walked out of? Or lost the benefit of because you're dishonored. The greatest seed you can sow as a believer is the seed of honor. Somebody say the seed of honor. The seed of honor is the greatest seed and you must learn how to sow it. When the seed of honor is planted well, the harvests are enormous. And I see you harvesting the dividends thereof. I see you getting the dividends thereof. Six truths about honor. Somebody say six truths about honor. The first thing I want you to know is honor is visible. Somebody say honor is visible. Now, honor genuinely is from the heart. When we honor people, we value and respect them from our heart. But honor is first and foremost visible. Somebody say it's visible. Honor. Where you honor somebody is visible in the way you talk to the person. If you honor your husband, the way you talk to him will show. The way you listen to his instructions from him will show. When you are even angry, the way you talk to him. All of us have been angry with certain people before. How many of you have been angry with certain people before? But there were some people, though you were angry, you didn't speak to them in a dishonorable way. How many of you know? Other people. You may, your boss may have really annoyed you. And you really felt like giving it to him. But you were minded. You were minded. True or false? Yeah, your lecturer may have said something that if you had been your friend, you'd have told him your mind. But you were minded. You were minded. So it's always important that we appreciate that honor is visible. When I come to your home and there's honor, I can pick it. If you honor your environment, I can see it. I mean, honor is so visible. If you go to a home where they don't honor themselves, you will see it. Things are scattered everywhere. There's no organization. Everything is bad. Dirt all over the floor. There is food stain here. There is that. The, the moment you walk there, you see that there's dishonor. When the queen of Sheba came into Solomon's temple, one of the things she observed was honor. Somebody say honor. honor. 
everything was on point. And we want to come to a place as a church where when people walk into our doors, they will smell, they will sense, they will feel on it. Somebody say an amen. amen. That's the kind of culture we want to build in this church. So that anybody who walks in here will feel that there is an honor here. I'm not communicating. And that must be the culture of your life. When somebody meets you, they must see Mr. Nyako is an honorable person. They must see that Sami Kwache is an honorable man. They must see that Sister So-and-So is an honorable person. May that become your testimony. In the mighty name of Jesus. So, honor is perceivable. It can be perceived. Number two, honor is contagious. Somebody say honor is contagious. When you walk into an atmosphere of honor, you naturally have to flow. Anywhere the culture of honor is built, people flow. In fact, when the culture of honor is built strongly, it makes it more difficult for people to dishonor. Do you understand what I'm saying? When the culture of honor is built, I mean, go to a home where children are taught not to use vulgar language. When they get themselves around another child and the child uses that language, immediately they tell the child that we don't say these things here. Am I complicating it? Yeah. When we create an atmosphere where people are respected, people are honored, and people are highly valued. People, I mean, you go to some churches and people just say anything and they are free. They speak bad about other members of the church. They speak bad about leadership. That's wrong. Praise God. When we build that culture, that cannot even happen. When the person is saying it, he will feel uncomfortable saying it. I remember I had a testimony of one man. He went to church and they were receiving an offering. He had not been to the church before. He's been there. They received first offering. They were receiving second offering. And then he passed a comment. Ah, why are they receiving too many offerings in this church? And then the lady sitting by her gave him a look. He said he didn't know what to do. Whether to sink or to fly away or to do something. Yeah, They were honoring a principle he was not used to. One of the easiest ways to become this, to be dishonored is when you go to a place and you refuse to go the way they are going. Sometimes you don't need to understand it. Just do what they are doing. That's what they say. When you go to Rome, do what the Romans do. Because you look awkward, you look odd. And sometimes if there are some benefits that you need to get, you may not get it. Honor is contagious. Somebody say honor is contagious. Not only is honor contagious, dishonor is also contagious. When people dishonor, when people don't respect, when you are at home with your children and you speak anyhow to your husband, your children will very soon be speaking like that to you. Because they picked it from you. They picked it from you. If you are a boss and you speak anyhow to your subordinates, very soon you will give them the power to speak like that to you. At a certain point, some of them will tell you. Or if they don't even tell you why they are with you, one day, one of them will bring their resignation and they will tell you to your face. Have you had that atmosphere where the person, he's bottled up a lot of things. Then on the day he's leaving, I won't advise anybody to do that. On the day he's leaving, he walks to the office and he tells you his mind. I don't advise anybody to do that. If you are going to leave any place, make sure you leave on a good note. Praise God. Never, never, never end a relationship on a bad note. It's, it, it's not right. And it's not dependent on how you are treated. You see, sometimes 
we behave in a, a dishonorable way to people because of how they've treated us. But listen, the moment you do that to the bystander, you are actually a dishonorable person. Somebody says, you are foolish. You say, me, I'm foolish. You are too stupid. Who born you? I mean, the person may not have heard what the person told you. You are the one the person is hearing speaking. And when he hears you, uttering those things, he begins to see you as the one who is not correct. That's why you cannot just react negatively to people because they acted badly to you. The Bible says, overcome evil with good. Somebody say, overcome evil with good. That's one of the things we do here. Number three, honor is in degrees. Somebody say, honor is in degrees. Say, honor is in degrees. The honor we give to God is the topmost. We cannot honor God the same way we honor man. You cannot honor your father the same way you honor your sisters. You cannot honor your mother the same way you honor your friends. You cannot honor your boss the same way you honor your colleagues. You can't speak to your boss the same way you speak to your colleagues and expect that he will recommend you for promotion. It won't happen. Praise God. So, honor is in degrees. There are ranks. In the army, the field marshal, he operates from a different rank from the colonel. The major general operates from a different rank than the captain. And all of them, their badges and their honor goes with it. So, it's important that we appreciate that honor is in degrees. Children ought to be honored. Fathers ought to be honored. Bosses ought to be honored. Leaders ought to be honored. Number four, honor is better appreciated in a person's lifetime than in their death. Our culture speaks well of people when they are dead. Have you seen that? If you like, die tomorrow. And hear what people will come and say about you. You won't die tomorrow. But people are kind of waiting for you to die. Then they will show you love. Who tells you that a dead person can experience your love? Whatever you have to say to a dead person, when he's dead, he's dead and gone. The kind of casket you bought, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, where you laid him in state, it doesn't make sense. Whether you were laid in state at the state house or whichever, you don't see it. If there is anything you need to do for anyone, do it while the person is alive. Am I complicating here? Why the person is alive? There was one woman who went and honored Jesus. John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. John 12, 1 to 8. Jesus said, six days before the celebration, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus. The man he had raised from the dead, verse 2. Let's read it together. One go. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha said, and Lazarus is among those who ate with him. Verse 3. Mary took 12 jar of expensive perfume made from incense of nard and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. Verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who good. Verse 5. That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. I think we can end it there. The Bible said not that he cared for the poor. Praise God. Every time a living person is alive, people are thinking of other things they can do instead of honoring the person. Don't wait for your father to die before you write a nice post about him on Facebook. Don't wait for your mother to die before you now write two-page tribute. And then when they are printing the thing, they say reduce it, you begin to fight with them. I need to say it. I need to say it. Did you ever say it to him? (laughs) Yeah. Did you ever say it to him? 
a lot of us are hypocrites and pretenders. Many people who cry when their parents, it's fake. While they were alive, nothing of honor was done for them. Let to honor people. Honor people while they are alive. That way, listen, every time honor is truly demonstrated, blessings flow. And I don't know the kind of blessing you can receive from a dead person. That's why honor must be given to people when they are alive. Honor people when they are alive. Yeah. Honor people when they are alive. Give them your best when they are alive. Honor your husband. There are some women who will talk to their husband anyhow, treat them anyhow. The moment the husband says, enough of this nonsense, I'm out of this house. Then their eyes become clear and they begin to see their value. When you go and you lie on the bed at night and you put your hand there and nobody's there, then you begin to feel that you have made a mistake. But it may be too late. Learn to honor. Praise God. Because God has designed it in such a way that the things we don't honor, we lose them. The things we don't honor, we lose them. The things we don't honor, don't bless us. Praise God. So learn to honor. If you must do well in life, it is one of the important codes of life. And that is honor. And number five, honor is not cheap. Somebody say honor is not cheap. Honor is not cheap. If you are going to honor a person, you must understand that it's not cheap. You don't honor people with cheap things. You don't honor people with just anything. You honor people with things that are precious. The woman made us see what was valuable. She took an expensive perfume and poured it on him. Saying, you deserve it. Praise God. Yeah, it means that she had high value. You know, you don't give things that are valuable to people you don't value. Am I communicating? Usually, the things we give to people, it's a reflection of our value for them. When you value a person highly, you give valuable things to them. You don't give them anyhow. The Bible talks about this. Esther chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. Esther 6, 6 to 8. So, Haman came in and the king asked him, What shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now, so there are things that ought to be done for people that we are honoring. Somebody say things. Uh-huh. There are things that ought to be done. If you are honoring your father, there are things you do. If you are honoring uh, your boss, there are things you do. If you are honoring your mother, there are things you do. If you are honoring a colleague, there are things you do. If you are honoring your spouse, there are things you do. He says, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Naaman thought in his heart. Now, this man gave an answer from his heart because he thought he was the one who was going to benefit from it. He says, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? So everything he said, and it's a reflection of who we are. Imagine that you are to be honored. What will you ask for yourself? Those were the things Naaman asked for himself. Look at verse 7. He says, for the man whom the king delights to honor, he began to talk about. He says, let a royal robe, do you know how much a royal robe costs? Which the king has worn. And the horse which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed on its head. Eh? You understand what he's saying there? Yeah. Don't just go and use a rickety car. We can't honor a man of God. Somebody has come to preach. And then sometimes it's amazing when you go to places to preach, how you are treated. They send some rickety car to come and pick you. It's not honoring. Then while you are coming, the car will break down on the road. It, it doesn't show you honor the person. And you can't get the best out of a person. Yeah. You must learn to honor. Listen, if you don't catch these things, no matter how long you pray, things will be tight for you. 
There are simple, simple things in life that makes others succeed, others fail. That makes others progress, others stagnated. That makes others become distinguished in life. And one of them is the principle of honor. Those who are fathers to me, I have learned over the years to honor. Praise God. Yeah. I've learned over the years to honor. And there are things I have in my life, not because I prayed for them, not because I fast for them, they are product of honor. The product of honor, product of honor, product of honor. That's critical. The culture of honor does not just happen. As I close, number six, the culture of honor does not just happen. It needs to be established. It needs to be what? The culture of honor needs to be what? Established. It has to become a culture. It has to become our lifestyle. We have to practice it until we become perfect at it. Can somebody say an amen? Yeah, we have to practice it. That's why habits are formed. We practice, we practice, we practice, we practice until we become perfect at it. The culture of honor. In the book of 2 Kings 17, 28, Amplified Version says, So one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear and revere the Lord. The message version says, How they should honor and worship God. Somebody say, How they should worship and honor God. I have seen that worshiping God properly is not something that we leave people to learn. They have to be taught. They have to be taught. They have to be taught. There are some of us who don't know how to worship. We are coming to church and we just come. And it's all part of the things that we are going to be going through this month. How to honor God's presence. When you are going for meetings, you are taught what you do in the meeting, what you cannot do in the meeting. Do you know? You are going for important meetings. They tell you what to bring into the meeting, what you can bring into the meeting. And all of that, in fact, and while the meeting is on, you'll be closely monitored to make sure that you are adhering to the protocols of the meeting. Most of the time, people walk into church and they walk out and nothing happens to them. And it's simply because they have not learned to honor God. They've not learned to honor God. The Bible says in the book of 1 Samuel, it said, those who honor me, I will honor. Those who honor me, I will honor. So, if you are truly honoring God, God will be honoring you. So if you look at your life, the amount of honor you are receiving and walking in, it's a reflection of your honor for God. Praise God. Teach people to honor. I tell people all the time, teach people to honor. Sometimes we have legitimate reasons to honor, but dishonoring is never God's principle. God never endorses dishonor. Oh, my father was this, my father was that, my father was this, my father was that. I appreciate what your father was not to you, but it is no justification to dishonor. It is no justification to what? Let me tell you, if you don't reverse it, there are things you would desire in this life they will never work. Go back, anybody who is in a father figure in your life, anybody in a leadership that you have dishonored in any way, as this teaching has started, find a way to reconnect and show honor. Praise God. Because every time we dishonor, we provoke a certain spiritual law. And it works against us. It works against us. I remember one time I was praying with someone and we were praying about something and every time we prayed about it, I was not at liberty. So, I was just there and I felt I should engage the person. As I began to speak with the person, then I realized that the things he was going through were product of consistent dishonor. I said, listen, this in fasting and prayer will not solve it. Go back and then do A, B, C, D. 
And you know what? When he did, everything reversed. Everything reversed. Praise God. Everything reversed. The principle of honor is so powerful. If you know it, you work it to your advantage. And the Bible says, blessed are your ears for they hear. And then he says, blessed are you who hear these things. Happy are you if you do them. May the grace of God to walk in honor and to display honor, demonstrate honor, and to live honorably. May that grace rest upon our lives. May we be people and persons of honor. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. May your life be a life of honor. May your life be a life of honor. In the mighty name of Jesus. So it shall be in your life. has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages, as well as books by Pastor Afuakwa, please call 540 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also visit our website www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services. Our first service, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. Second service, 8.15 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. Third service, 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service with our first service, 5.45 p.m. to 7 p.m. Second service, 7.15 p.m. to 8.15 p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi. God richly bless you.